What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype Podcast. On today's episode, I'm joined by my main man, James Edwards, who covers the Detroit Pistons for The Athletic. And we're going to break down a big offseason ahead for the team, including behind the scenes of the Monty Williams hiring. We'll look at some draft and free agency targets, uh, Kate Cunningham's return, and a little bit of a crystal ball for the futures of Bogdan Bogdanovich, Alec Burks, Isaiah Stewart, Killian Haynes, and anything else that comes to mind. James, I appreciate you joining me, brother. How's life your way in Detroit? I appreciate you having me, man. And uh, it's good. Sun has been out. Uh, it's been hot the last few days, but we got like a 72 degree day incoming. It's been like low 90s. So yeah, man, just just enjoying the um, the downtime and trying to refresh and regroup because like you said, the, the draft's coming up. Um, summer League's not far away. So the next month's going to be busy. Well, I'm glad to hear because, uh, you know, there's some sunshine in your life because on draft night, it was a dark cloud for Detroit. That was uh, <laughs> a kick right between the legs. I got to tell you that that I, I literally when I saw that they got the fifth pick, I literally said, oh, yeah. I, fell, I fell for them. Obviously, you know, you have funny enough, a- I was in the I was in the um, I was at the lottery and I don't, I'm pretty sure you've been before, um, but I wasn't in the room where they do the actual drawing. I was in like the TV production room where like what people see on TV, like that whole stage, I was there. And Mm -hmm. when Detroit got fifth, everybody in the room made the same reaction as you pretty much like, and obviously only like 0.01% of the people in there had any rooting interest in Detroit. And that's their, obviously their PR, um, whoever was on the stage, uh, they had like a video crew, but the whole, the whole room was like, Oh, so yeah, it was definitely a kick for Pistons fans, a kick, a kick between the legs. It's interesting because, you know, the the thinking was once Monty Williams hit the market, there was this thought of, oh, well, if they got the number one pick in Victor Wembanyama, then maybe it would appeal more to Monty Williams. And instead, it just seemed like it instead of them getting that pick, they had to open up the wallet more to, to really make him consider, which you did a great job reporting on The Athletic, which is one of the reasons uh, why I wanted to have you on. And I do invite everybody to, to check James out if you don't. If if you're not, I don't know what you're doing personally. But <laughs> my my thought, you know, like James, this this was my sense of it. And then I, I definitely want to defer to you. Obviously, you, you were on it more consistently. Um, mm-hmm. The word around the league I heard was that Troy Reaver liked Kevin Ali and Arn Tellum was a fan of his former client, Jaron Collins. Charles Lee was also in the mix, but... As the process dragged out, there was a sense around the league that Detroit wasn't enamored with their three finalists. And it was clear that they kind of broke the bank and and reset the market, essentially, for Monty Williams, a guy who showed in Phoenix that he can turn around a culture. And, um, you know, when that deal happened, I remember some coaching agents were smiling year to year when I was talking to them across the league. And, and one texted me that Monty's deal is good for business. I would say, I mean, for for you, how did, how did this process unfold going from those three finalists to Monty? And in particular, um, I don't even want to say breaking the bank. It was more like robbing the bank um, because it's a (laughs) lot of money that they're, they're giving Monty. And this is going to shape a lot of coaching negotiations for deals going forward. 
Yeah, um, I, I think to answer the first part, I think there were phases in their coaching search, right? Um, I think uh, kind of what you said, I think early on, Kevin Ali appeared to be the favorite of of, of Troy Weaver. Um, they also, the whole group liked Charles Lee, and I think they all liked Jaron Collins as well, but I think that, like you mentioned, that might have been, um, there might have been a connection there with Arn to help propel that, but they were all impressed with them. Uh, they were all serious candidates. I think as the process played out, um, Monty becomes available. Pistons check the temperature. To my knowledge, Monty was telling not just the Pistons, was telling other teams that he was likely to take a year off. And if he wasn't, he wasn't in he wasn't in the space to even have conversations at that point in time. He wanted to wait a little bit. So the Pistons leave it alone. Uh, they advance with Kevin Ali and Charles Lee. Um, I, to my knowledge, right before they went and got Monty, I think the group had kind of come to a collective decision that Charles was going to be the pick. Um, and I think his second interview really sealed that home for a lot of people. Um, everybody in the front office, I think, I think his second interview sealed the deal for him until they sat down as a group from what I was told and just exploring, making sure this is what they want to do, what they want to do. Owner brings up, what if we make a, one more run at Monty? They make the run, breaks the bank. Um, and, and Monty's the, the coach. And I agree that not getting number one, probably cost the owner several tens of millions because I think Monty's would have been more inclined uh, just off the strength of that. But I also do think he has genuine interest in coaching the Pistons. Obviously, money is a big part of it, and um, that's a lot of it. But relationship with Troy, he has great respect for Troy, what he does. Monty's a big Cade fan. Um, it's a it's a situation where he's had success before building a team from – the bottom to to making them consistent mainstays. I think when he took over in Phoenix <clears throat> the year before, <clears throat> the team had 19 wins. He took them to 33, 35, whatever that was. So, um, and I think just the the care that the Pistons showed in trying to get him and all the perks that come with his contract and just really showing how how important getting him would be to the organization. I'm sure that that made him feel special as well. So. Of course, we all do. At the end of the day, we all do our jobs because of money. Um, we would all like to get pay, paid handsomely, uh, but there's obviously other factors that play into it. No, for sure. Um, any sense on kind of incentives in his contract that can make it balloon to um, as much as you had reported? I didn't get the exact um, details on that. I would imagine there's like playoff and championship type like triggers for those um but yeah i didn't get the exact like clauses that would help it balloon gotcha and i mean look we talked about how they went from number one and number five on lottery night and that chance to go from victor Wembanyama to the fifth pick was a gut punch but now the pistons are going to have a chance to select Potentially from the Thompson twins, Cam Whitmore, or maybe a big man like uh, Jarris Walker. So, I mean, when you look at the the draft targets for Detroit, 
What's your sense on where the Pistons are kind of leaning um, at that spot right now? Yeah, I think the four names you mentioned are probably at the forefront. You could probably throw Taylor Hendricks from UCF in there. Uh, but I think the four you mentioned are probably one of those four, I think, will be a Piston on draft night, um, assuming they stay at five. Now, I think the wild card here is Houston. Uh, Charlotte's a wild card in a weird way, but I don't think they leave the draft without Miller or Scoot. So those that's the top three, right? Um, you would assume. I think there's a like non-zero chance Miller falls to five, but I would be very surprised. Um, I think the real question is at three, like I think the top three are the top three picks, but I think to me the question is, is Scoot going to end up, or whoever, whoever lands at three with Portland, are they staying there or are they moving somewhere else in a trade? To me, that's the one of the dominoes you got to look at. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree with that uh, first and foremost. I also just think there's something with Miller where I could see teams talking themselves into Eamon Thompson or Cam Whitmore having more upside, and they're just trying to to hide it. I just, there's just part of, like, I don't think that's very likely, but I could see it happening. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. But I think Houston is where the draft starts. Um, I mean, hell, we don't even know if they're keeping the pick. We don't know if James Harden's coming back. Um they need a lead ball handler. I think Eamon Thompson, if he's there, is the is the most kind of the most I think efficient use of the pick, high upside. I think he projects better. I don't. I don't think. I, I fairly confident he projects better as a lead ball handler. They could use like a natural lead guard. Um, so for Detroit, I, I think it would be Cam Whitmore there. Um, small forward fills a void. Tough shot maker, good good on ball defender. He's actually the youngest of those five. He doesn't even turn 19 until July 8th. He's still 18, so upside there, super athletic. I, that that would be the pick, and then after that, I would probably go Jarris Walker. I'll say this when you were talking about um, Thompson with the the Rockets. He certainly helped them defensively. Uh, yeah. they, they had the second worst defensive rating in the league last year, so I – could definitely see that. Um, you know, the Pistons also have a little bit of money to spend in free agency, but, uh, you know, their own free agent, one of them, you know, Alec Burks, they have a team option on. And uh, the Pistons are expected to pick up that, that $10.5 million team option on Alec Burks, um, mm-hmm. I'm told. And I, I, I think certainly it's a worthwhile investment for them because that, with the with the rise in salaries and, and him being on an expiring contract, then next year he's still a tradable asset. Um, and you know, the state, there, were, there were a lot of teams calling on him that were playoff caliber teams last year. Yeah. But I mean, aside from that, I mean, you know, one, certainly have you heard that as well? And two, when you look at the free agency landscape, do you have any targets in mind that are on Detroit's radar for them in free agency? Yeah, I've heard that too. I would be absolutely floored if Burks' option wasn't picked up. Um, he was really good for them last year. I mean, he's just a bucket. I mean, anybody that's watched Alec Burks knows what he does and what he provides. And uh, good dude, good locker room guy. I think he just checks a lot of boxes for what Detroit needs. So um, I'm I'm under the expectation that he will be back uh, for game one next year, barring some type of trade. Um, and then, yeah, I think... They obviously in Troy Weaver talked about it, they need another three and D wing. Um, they 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 like Isaiah Livers. They 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 believe in him, but he's still 
young. He's still he's battled injury stuff. This is only this is going to be his third year. Um, they don't they don't have a lot of depth at that position, so they need to address that. And this is kind of a weird free agency. I don't maybe weird's not the right word, but a not not very good free agency class. Uh, but for Detroit, it could work in their benefit because arguably the biggest unrestricted name is Jeremy Grant. Um, who, as I would assume most people listening to this know, was a Piston a year ago, has a great relationship with Troy Weaver, um, loves the city of Detroit, embraced it, was embraced by Detroit. I I believe, and you know how this stuff works, like they probably have an idea if they can get them right now as we speak. Like, team, they talk. It is what it is, right? Wink, wink. wink. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and not just Jeremy and teams like everybody like teams have an idea of what they can do right now right yeah um, and I mean look I'll just say this real quick because you touched on Jeremy like I just touched on this in a podcast with Sean Hyken about the Blazers um, you know I, they're my sense is they're decently close there like okay you know he could have signed he, I know he bypassed that extension number, but he can get a little bit more in free agency. I think it's more semantics like that and logistics. Makes um, sense. Certainly, Damian Lillard wants him back, and uh, he was a good fit for Portland. But um, so, so are you saying like that? Are you saying there's a chance for Detroit? I mean, I, th- <laughs> I mean, I like I know that they went into the offseason with the anticipation of trying to get him right. Uh, whether or not that happens, that's that's up to Jeremy. Uh, but I mean, I think Portland should rebuild. It doesn't seem like they will. So I, I guess there's maybe a chance they have a change of heart and they they tear it down and and Portland's no longer interested. So uh, I would be surprised if that happens, just based on what you've heard about what Portland wants to do. But I do think Detroit um, targets a Jeremy uh, at least throw an offer sheet at Cam Johnson. Just go after the two biggest kind of three and D wings. Mm. Um, available Cam, Cam Johnson. Interesting. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think Brooklyn probably matches whatever, uh, realistic yeah. offer they get. And I'm not sure where Detroit, how high they can go in the race, but I mean, uh, that's, that's, well, here's the thing. I, you know, like Cam, when I talked to executives and I had like previously reported this, I think it was around four years, 90 million was his projection. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe Detroit can. Yeah, they can do that. I didn't. They yeah, can I didn't do that. Yeah. But I, I think that seems know, low to me. I think you would have now. to go if you really want to push Brooklyn and make them sweat. I think you might have to go a little more than that. But then, is it worth it to Detroit? I mean, certainly a good shooter and can space the floor, you know. But they've got so many. They've got so many big guys in that front court, which we're definitely going to talk about. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I think Cam Johnson's more like a wing. So mm-hmm. I think it definitely like I don't think he intrudes on on the Durans and Stewarts of the world, but I I definitely think like as a small forward next to Cade and Ivy, like I think that's a great fit. It just yeah depends on how okay. they value him. Oh, because in Brooklyn they played him definitely at the four. It, yeah, they played him at the four. I would assume in Detroit he'd play the three. Gotcha. Um, okay. And so I but then if you want to go like lower level guys like I think Tory Craig, uh, there's obviously their connection with Monty Williams now. Um, I think like Yuta Watanabe, like if you want to go like lower level guys to help address needs, like those make sense, but this just isn't a very good free agency class. I'll tell you this. I like 
Tory Craig, I think, is underrated and underappreciated. I I like I, I would like that for him. Udawada Nabi, that's my guy in Brooklyn, man. I had a nice <laughs> had a nice you know interview with him earlier in the year, but also mm-hmm. like you a good locker room guy. They loved him there, man. Um, really good team player, and he obviously shot the ball better than he ever has in his career, which really I think is going to lead to him getting a guaranteed deal uh, for the first time in his career. You know, he's always had a strive. Uh, to get that. He was always on non-guarantees or options and things mm-hmm. like that. But, um, you know, I think James Boyan Bogdanovich said it best last year towards the end of the season when, when we were catching up in Barclays Center. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, you know, the kind of head of the snake here is Cade Cunningham and it starts with him. So with that in mind, I ask you, good sir, mm-hmm. uh, where where is he on the road to recovery and returning to full strength for next season? Yeah, that's the answer I haven't been able to get. I, I checked in over the last week, like, can Cade go full five on five? And it's a lot of crickets. I I assume that means, I just think the way they operate, I think that means he's, like, I, I, I don't see it as, like, a concern. I think he's probably good to go or very close to good to go. Um, I mean, I've seen videos of him boxing lately, and uh, I don't know if people outside of the Pistons world have seen the photos. Uh, I, seeing him in person, he's, like, put on a significant amount of muscle. Um, he just, he looks completely different physically. Mm. Uh, okay. I've seen, I've seen him shoot, do shooting stuff after practices. Like I, my hunch is that like, if he can't go five on five yet, he's very, 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 very close. Uh, but I mean, he may be able to go five on five, but I, yeah, I mean, he's the head of the snake. It makes sense, right? Like the, the, the flashes he's shown, um, periodically throughout his short career, um, obviously justifiable for the number one pick. I think he just is the connector that that really opens up things for everybody. Um, and he still has, and he's, I mean, he's had a solid start to his career without shooting the three ball well and really getting to the free throw line. Um, and I think he's going to shoot the ball well at some point, and I think sooner rather than later, and I think he'll start getting to the line more too. So um, he just opens up everything. But I do think like even his injury may have been a blessing in disguise for Detroit as a team because it really forced Jaden Ivey to get comfortable as a lead guard and the progress he made the second half of the season, like he, his weaknesses became strengths. Like he was, he was really good for the last three, four months. Um, and so he'll go into year two with more confidence and then it's just him and Cade ironing out kind of the kinks to, to make it work. But I, at the end of the day, Cade's going to be the one um, initiating a lot of the offense. And I, and I think that's even more true with, with Monty at the helm. I certainly thought, Jaden would be fine as a lead guard. I, I just questioned whether he could play off the ball mm-hmm. with Cade. To me, that was the bigger thing. And um, to me, I think Cade, his upside is like 25, 7, and 7 on a nightly basis. I really believe if he's healthy, like he could get there if he approves as a shooter. Um, mm-hmm. I think Detroit will need that if they're ever going to be a real contender. Time yep. will tell. Um, I briefly touched on Boyan Bogdanovich, and I'm pretty sure you and I um, – before the trade deadline last year, I think one of the names that was mostly written about, discussed, was Boyan Bogdanovich. And and now looking ahead to the offseason, um, I'm told the Pistons still view Boyan Bogdanovich as a core piece going forward into next season. I know that's going to ruffle some feathers for opposing teams who who have coveted him, but... Mm-hmm. Um, What's your sense there on on his future in in Detroit? Because certainly, 
Uh, he was well coveted before the deadline last year by many teams, including the uh, the Lakers at one point. Yeah, I mean, every every inclination I've gotten to this point is that they want to keep him, um, that they do appreciate what he brought to the team. I mean, he was really good last year. Um, and I think with Cade back in the fold, he'll be even better um, and, and have to do less too, which will help him. Um, and people talk about his age. He's getting up there in age. Well, he pretty much got through all of last year pretty healthy. If they were in playoff contention, I don't think he would have been sitting out for the final few weeks of the season, right? So, um, and I think as his career goes on, like he's going to be on teams where he's asked to do less and less, and he's going to be able to play for a little bit longer. So I, I think his contract is, I like his contract a lot, which makes me think like, just kind of depending on how this offseason shakes out for Detroit, like there is part of me that thinks that he could get dealt this summer. I understand keeping him. I understand wanting to keep him. Um, aside from what he does on the court, loved in the locker room. Um, but I certainly like there's part of me that thinks like, okay, what if they do end up with a, a Cam Johnson or a Jeremy Grant or there's a trade where they get a more um, balanced wing? Do do you do you have Boyan come off the bench in Detroit? Like, I don't know. So I. My hunch is that he stays, um, but I mean, there's part of me also that wouldn't be surprised if they get a, a good offer that they jump on. I think it just all kind of depends on how they would be able to fill uh, that void if he were gone. Look at you leaving the door open. <laughs> I um, mean, I'll never say never. So, well, no, not in, in not our this world. Business. Yeah, no, that, that, yeah, that definitely is uh, not. I got to cover my ass a little bit just in case. There you go. Um, you know, though, we, we talk about, all right, so Alec Burke stays, Boyan Bogdanovich stays, though you left the, the door slightly ajar. Um, <laughs> Isaiah Stewart, I think is a guy we got to talk about then because when the Pistons acquired James Wiseman at the trade deadline, it raised the eyebrows of some rival executives around the league who don't believe he and Isaiah Stewart can play together long-term. Now, while Detroit has been open to the idea of the two being able to coexist, rival executives believe Stewart could become a movable trade piece with a front court logjam in Detroit and the emergence of Jalen Duran as well. They've also got Marvin Bagley, uh, et cetera. So like James, I'm curious your read on the the situation for uh big stew who forever will be, uh, a meme classic for the Jim Ross uh, WWE <laughs> try to, you know, when he tried to take down LeBron and the Lakers and dodge all those uh, security guards. Yeah. Beef uh, stew. He's a, uh, he's a, he's beloved in Detroit. They, they love him and he, he embodies everything that the city's is about. And I always, so I've heard these things too, that you've mentioned. Um, and as, as someone who's on the, the ground floor, like I, I think the situation's been misinterpreted a little bit. Like, I think it's far more likely that Duran and Stewart are the front court. I think Wiseman was a a guy that they just had a chance to get, a guy that they liked coming into his draft, a guy that they just wanted to see if they could untap some potential and I mean, possibly be a, a, a backup big or, or a starting big. But I think right now, like if you're asking me, it's Duran and Stewart's front court job. Troy Weaver loves Isaiah Stewart. I, I would be stunned 
if Isaiah played anywhere else anytime soon, like stunned, uh, based on just conversations I've had. Um, the development, he, sh- he go ahead. No, I was going to say plot twist. That's yeah, just- no, I just, I, yeah, and I guess it might be a plot t- twist for some, but like I've always like, I've felt very confident that Stu would be here and that the Wiseman thing was more of just like a gamble on potential than it was like we're trying to find, like we're trying to find this replace this this replacement, right? So I think Stewart, he's gotten better each and every year. He's shown stuff each. He's added different stuff to his game. Um, the three-point shooting, and if you're a Pistons fan, you know how I feel about that. I think that's going to be real one day. I mean, he shot 39% from three in December, had a very cold January or February where he's just had the first cold streak of his life because he's never really shot threes at high volume, um, and then kind of leveled out, and then he sat down due to injury for like the last two months. So, I mean, if he had played, he probably would have got to like 34-ish percent, uh, 35-ish percent as a first-time volume three-point shooter, which if you've watched Isaiah Stewart, prior to this season, you would have no idea that he could even do that. Right. So um, he's gotten better. I think he's their best on ball defender. Um, I just, you can play. I think when you come where they want to go, the playoffs, you need a guy like Isaiah Stewart that can switch, that can guard multiple positions that can space the floor, which I believe he'll be able to do. Uh, I just, I would be very, 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 like I think he signs an extension this summer. I think that's far more likely. Boom. You you are just dropping dimes right now. <laughs> That's just my feel. Just I know how much they I know how much they they value Isaiah Stewart for sure in Detroit. But see, this is but this is why I have you on, bro, because again, you talk about being on the ground floor. I I personally thought you were in the in the room with them all. Uh, <laughs> but I you know, you you and uh our guy Omari uh as well. Um yeah. But I I figured like it's just interesting because you have that dynamic and then yet I'm giving you like kind of the broader national right right and, I, and I've heard that yeah and I've heard yeah I've heard what you said yeah so it's it's an interesting dynamic and I think you know another guy that's an interesting guy to take a look at then you know coming off of Stu I'm also looking at like Killian Hayes and you, you know you talk about Isaiah Stewart with the, as an extension guy so like with Killian Hayes. Um, I mean, Killian Hayes is an impactful playmaker for others, and he's a strong defender. And he yeah. averaged 12 points and seven assists as a starter in about 31 minutes per game when he got his chance when Cade Cunningham got hurt. Um, I'm, told Hayes, I'm told Hayes is open to the idea of an extension with the Pistons. Uh, you know, Monty Williams has been known for playing with traditional point guards, which fits the mold of Hayes and Hayes and and this goes for any guy looking to get an extension, whether it's a rookie contract extension or a, a bigger extension later on in your career. He could always secure a bag and get a trade during the season or down the line if things aren't playing out in his favor. So when you look at Killian and his future in Detroit, and, and we've touched on this a little bit because it's a little complicated with Cade Cunningham there already and Jaden Ivey there, but these guys can play different positions. Um, what does your crystal ball say for Killian Hayes' future and a chance at a possible extension for him? 
yeah, that's this is yeah, a lot to unpack here on this one. Um Killian has had a interesting start to his career, right? I mean, like you said, I think he's his his pros are he's a good playmaker for others, solid defender, right? He has not consistently or I mean, he's just really struggled shooting the three ball and finishing at the rim. Um, like very poor at both. He's had stretches where he shot the three ball well. I think the top, like around November to December of this past season. And it's like, okay, this is what Killian can be. And then January hit and the shooting took a massive dip again. So I think what Killian's best attribute to, to maximize Killian, you have to have the ball in his hands, right? Mm-hmm. But it's tough to have the ball in his hand, to have the ball in your hand so much and you're unable to shoot the ball from three or finish at the rim consistently. So I think for him, this is going to be a show improve year. Um, I think he has to show significant improvements in one of those areas. They, they, the Pistons and Killian would prefer both, obviously. But I think there has to be a significant improvement in him as a shooter and or finisher at the rim. Um, and because it's like you said, they ended up post drafting Killian, they end up with Cade Nivey. So you can make the case they're set at the guard spot for, for a while. You just bring in veterans here and there to, to help get the backup minutes or whatever. If, but you also don't want to punt on the potential of Killian. If you still see that there is some, um, but it's certainly like, I, I would be shocked if he signed an extension this summer. I, I think that they make him play it, play it through this season. One more show improve year. Um, and then see what happens in, in, in free agency the following summer. Well, we certainly got a lot to monitor with Detroit. I'm looking forward to seeing your stuff on the athletic coming up. And, uh, you know, hopefully in the meantime, uh, you can work on that golf game a little bit. Yeah, man, I gotta, I gotta clean it up. I went for the first time the other day and I was, I started hot and then I just plateaued and it made me mad. So now I'm going to go and try to rectify myself. (laughs) Well, I'm let me know, uh, let me know what you do on on the green out there, but always good to have you on, brother. Thanks for joining me and taking some time out. Yeah, anytime, man. Appreciate you having me, and I'll uh, I'll see you in two weeks in Brooklyn. My man, looking forward to the reunion. Um, also want to thank everybody else for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes of the Hoopside Podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives, and media members such as James Edwards, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else that you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter at Mike Escato. Make sure you're following my man, James, too. He's at JL Edwards III. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best. <laughs>